0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. What you to think for a moment. I want you to think about a situation in
1: which you have been accused of a crime, a pretty serious crime. Now, some of you, maybe that has been true in your life, I'm not sure, but I'm not talking about you getting pulled over by a police officer and getting a ticket. I want you to think in your mind that you have been accused of a very serious offense. I want you to think for a moment that all the evidence is pointing to you. I want you to think for a moment of the helplessness you feel. Because they're getting ready to cart you away to jail. I want you to think for a moment of those feelings that might be going through your mind as you are facing that kind of a situation. Maybe you can think for a moment, maybe it doesn't have to be a criminal situation, but maybe you've had accusations leveled against you where you just felt completely helpless because there was just no way that you could get out of it. Have you been there? Have you felt those kind of feelings? I think we all have, haven't we? You know, reality is, the last few weeks, last five weeks, we looked at the whole issue of who needs Jesus. And Paul laid down for us a case that the reality is is that all of humanity is condemned and hopeless. Everybody needs Jesus. Now, when you think about that, just let that sink in, because that's all of us, isn't it? And there's nothing... And he pointed this out to us. We looked at this last week. There is nothing you can do to make it right. You can't hire the best lawyer. No amount of money is going to take care of it. All your excuses just fall to the ground. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. So it's almost like, wow, you know what, George? Let's just close the book and leave because we're all in trouble. But see, Paul doesn't leave it there. Because there's nothing you and I can do, but there's a lot God did. And so I want you to notice with me this is what we're going to look at for the next few weeks. In fact, I've entitled this series Justified. See, we don't deserve to be justified. He's already proven that we're all got a problem. But what he's going to show us, and this is what we're going to look at over the next three weeks, we're going to understand what is salvation. We're going to understand what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean for Jesus to do it for you? What does it mean to be forgiven? To be accepted? And that's what we're going to look at the next few weeks. And we're going to look at today the heart of salvation. So I want you to notice with me verse 21 of chapter 3 as we go through the end of the chapter. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Is it included? By what law of works? No, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So let's look at this passage today. We're going to look at the heart of salvation. See, you and I couldn't do anything. We were headed to hell. And there was nothing you and I could do about it. No amount of good deeds. We already talked about that. No amount of pedigree, coming from the right family, going to the right church. Nothing you could do about that. But somebody had to do it for you. How could you and I get salvation if we can't do it ourselves? So he tells us here, he outlines it for us. In this passage. The first thing I want you to see is, is that God's righteousness is revealed. See, in the midst of our unrighteousness, everybody understand? Our unrighteousness, remember I shared that illustration last week from the, from that album cover of Johnny Cash, American Recordings. He had two dogs on it. One dog was black with a white stripe, and the other dog was white with a black stripe. And when he was asked by that by Rolling Stone Magazine, what does that mean? He called the dog Sin and Redemption. And he said, the black dog is, you know, when I'm bad, I'm not bad enough. There's still enough good in me. And then he said, the white dog is when I'm good, I'm not good enough. There's still bad in me. See, that's just our nature, isn't it? There is no righteousness in us. But he tells us in verses 21 to 23 that God's righteousness was revealed to us. So I want you to notice, first of all, Verse 21, the first thing I want you to notice is is that, notice what it says there, but righteousness, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The first thing I want you to see is, is that the law pointed to it. The law pointed to it. There's this righteousness, God's righteousness that's going to save us is being revealed and it's outside the law, meaning that you and I can't attain it through doing the works of the law. Let me just stop for a moment. You hear people all the time, they say, well, I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. You ever ever hear anybody say that? Ask them what the Ten Commandments are, first of all. They don't know them. And the fact of the matter is, is that nobody can keep the Ten Commandments, can they? Nobody can do all the right things. We're just like those dogs that Johnny Cash was talking about. Our good is never good enough. And so the law... This righteousness has nothing to do with the law because the law, it doesn't come from the law. You can't be made righteous from the law. The law only reveals your sin in your life. But the law points to it. That's what he's saying here. The law points to it because the law points to the one who is outside of the law, who fulfills the law who brings us salvation because the law only reveals the sin in our lives. Do you understand what I'm saying or am I confusing you? I don't want to confuse you because I want you to understand. God's law reveals the fact that we need someone to help us. That's what he's saying. We need someone to help us with our problem. And that's what he's saying here is that God's law pointed to it. So then verse 22, he makes this point. Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believes. What's he saying? It is revealed to all who believe in Jesus Christ. See, God's righteousness is then revealed to each and every person and on each and every person who believes through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me just stop for a moment. I've got to make the distinction between what faith and belief is. Because people say, well, I believe in Jesus. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just simply because you believe in Jesus does not mean you're saved. You so say, what are you talking about, George? Well, the Bible's very clear in James that even the demons believe and tremble. But they're not saved, they're going to hell. Simply having a knowledge of facts in your mind that Jesus is God and that's where all it stays it's right there in your cranium does not bring salvation. It has to be faith. Not belief, but faith. What do you mean by faith, George? Faith is taking those facts and transferring it from here to here. So that your life now realizes, yes, He is the Son of God. I commit my life to Him by faith. I trust in Him. See, faith, another word for it is trust. That what He said and who He is, I truly trust in who He is. I believe by faith. Faith. Not just a set of facts. Not just a set of facts. And so it's revealed, this righteousness is revealed to all who believe in Jesus Christ. All who believe in Jesus Christ. Why is it revealed? He then tells us, verse 22 and 23, notice, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why? Why is this righteousness being revealed? Again, he wants to refer back to what he's already talked to us about, and that's this. It is because of the fallen condition of men, of humanity. Just so you think, maybe maybe just by chance you're sitting here thinking, well, that's not talking about me. He wants to make the point again here. Look at verse 23, and he says two things. He says what? All have what? Sin. everybody understand that? Every one of you here, including myself, have what? Sin. Nobody's perfect here. Everybody understand that? Look around here. Nobody can. I want the perfect people to stand up so we can see who you are. Nobody's standing up. So does everybody recognize we're all sinners here, right? Okay, we're all sinners here. That's the first point. Now, can I tell you something? That very fact alone condemns you to hell. See, what we do is we will say, well, well, I'm not that bad. I, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not going out getting drunk. I'm not beating up on people. I'm not ripping off my boss. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I haven't back-talked my mom in a while. You, know, you, you see what I'm saying? We, we, we start measuring things, don't we? We're, we're, well, we're, we're, we're not bad enough, remember? What G, Johnny Cash said? We still got that white, I got that white streak in me, George! Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything! That's how we measure stuff! God doesn't measure things that way! To Him, it's all the same! To him it's all the same. And it's all worthy of hell. And so he says, for all have sinned. And notice something. The second thing he says about us is that we fall short of the glory of God. See, he's talking about the fallen condition of humanity. And so he's saying here is that we fall short. We fall short of God's standard. Hey, you ever been in a situation where you knew what the standard was? You knew maybe it was a family situation, you know, and your dad had this Idea that you you would never, and he told you, you'll never make it there. You'll never attain. Or maybe you had a coach who just was on you and he said, you just aren't measuring up. And you ever been in a situation like that? Or a boss who's setting a standard? You ever ever been in a situation like that? Remember how you felt with that kind of a situation? You just thought, might as well just hang it up. Might as well just lay down and die because there's no way I could ever, ever, ever do what they're asking me to do. Well, can I be honest with you? That's what God has here. He has this standard that none of us can reach. None of us. And so we're in a helpless situation. You know what? This is what Paul's saying to us. We have a debt because of our sin, because we don't measure up, that we have no way of paying. And that's what Paul is saying. That's the reason why God's righteousness was being revealed. Because we had no way of taking care of it. No way of taking care of it. Let me just stop for a moment before we move on. Do you understand what he's saying here to you and I? He's saying to us a couple of things. Number one, we got a problem. And the problem is our sin. Number two, the problem requires a price to be paid. Somebody's got to pay the debt. Somebody's got to take care of the problem. And the fact is, is that then creates another problem. Because you and I can't take care of it. Excuses won't work. Sweeping it under the carpet won't take care of it. Blaming it on whoever else is not going to take care of it. we got a problem. And there's a price to be paid. And the price that's to be paid is death. Death. So in the midst of that situation that we're in, Paul said, God's righteousness is revealed. Do you understand your situation? See, you've got to understand your situation to fully comprehend the salvation that he gives to you. That was your standing before God. That was my standing. Hellbound. So then he gets right to the heart of God's righteousness. And then look at verses 24 through 26. First of all, verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace. Here's the wonderful thing. Here's our situation. I've already told you what our problem is. I told you how our problem is compounded because we can't do anything about it. Then he comes in verse 24 and he gets right to the heart of God's righteousness and here's what he says. God freely justifies. Freely. In the midst of our situation, in the midst of our terrible situation, in the midst of our condemnation, He is the one who freely justifies Notice what the word is. Freely. He's not compelled to do it. Nobody is strong-arming Him. If that somebody could strong-arm God. Nobody is forcing Him to do it. He's freely doing it. Out of His mercy, out of His grace, out of His love for you and I. He's freely doing it. And I want you to think about that for a moment because a thought just occurred to me. We're not like that. Oh, we'll give to people if people are nice to us and we love them. But the minute somebody stabs you in the back, the minute somebody does you dirty, the minute somebody kicks you when you're down, do you love them anymore? No, you don't love them. Would you do something freely for them? Are you kidding me, George? I would freely hit them. But do something nice for them? Forget it. But see, isn't that what we did to God? We kicked Him. We stabbed Him in the back. We did Him wrong with our sin. And notice what the Bible says here. Is that freely He justified. Isn't that an awesome thought? See, that's the heart of God's righteousness that's being revealed. Is that even in spite of our terrible situation, He's the one who freely justifies us. He's the one who freely reaches out to us. He's the one who freely comes to us in the midst of our situation. The next thing I want you to see there is verse 24 and 25 tells us the basis of that grace is Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice. The basis of that grace is Jesus' sacrifice. Look with me verse 24 and 25. Being justified freely by grace through the redemption that is Christ Jesus whom God sent forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because in forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. What's he saying here? The basis of God freely reaching down and justifying us, freely reaching down and bringing salvation to us, is because of Jesus and His sacrifice. Let me explain something to you so that you understand. How serious your sin is. See, I think sometimes you and I, including myself, forget how serious our sin is. See, I already told you that sin requires death. And here's the reality of our sin. See, the reality of our sin results in two things. One, it results in eternal torment in hell. The price for that. Or two, Jesus on the cross suffering what he did for us. See, it's, it's one or the other. And see, when he says that Jesus is the propitiation, can I give you an understanding of what that propitiation means? That big Bible word. What does that mean, George? Here's what it means. Simple definition. Wrath, satisfier. When God's wrath is poured out, directed towards you and I because of the sin in our lives, He, because of His sacrifice on the cross, He, because of what He did for us in dying for us, satisfied the wrath of the Father. So the price was paid for you and I. That's what it means. That's what it means. So the basis of the grace that He freely shows, and again, I'm telling you, it's freely shown to you and I. God's no respecter of person. He has no partiality. He's not saying, well, I like that person over there better than I like that person over here. He freely shows that grace because of Jesus' sacrifice. So then, why? Verse 25 tells us, verse 26, that God patiently, what? God patiently waited for, for Jesus' sacrifice. Notice what he says there. It's a very interesting thing. Look with me at the last part of 25. Because in forbearance, God had previously passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time His righteousness, that He might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He patiently waited through the centuries from Adam on up until the time of Jesus. He patiently waited Forbared with their sin until Jesus could come and satisfy all of the things, is what he's saying there. He patiently waited. Aren't you glad for God's patience? You say, what do you mean by that, George? Well, I want you to think about it. Yeah, you know, let me give you an example, just so to help us to think about it for a moment. When's the last time you prayed one of those Zappam prayers? Where somebody is in your craw, and you, you just pray, and you, and you may not even, you just think. Oh, I just wish that God would just deal with him. I wish that God would just squash him like those little black ants I've been squashing around the house lately. <laughs> how, many you, how many of you have had those kind of thoughts? Be honest. Be, be honest. I have one person down here. Thank you. Everybody's being honest now, right? Aren't you glad he didn't? See, so what do you mean? See, God's no respecter of persons, so... If he squashes the person that you want him to squash, wouldn't he have to squash you too? well, that's not what I'm praying. I understand that's not what you're praying. See, God's no respecter of persons. Aren't you glad for his patience? He patiently, instead of just destroying humanity, instead of just wiping it out, he patiently waited for the time in which everything was right for Jesus to come and die on the cross for you and I. Isn't that an awesome thought? So then verse 27 tells us this. God's righteousness is available. Verse 27 through 31. Three things I want you to see here. Verse 27, notice what it says. Where is the boasting then? Is it excluded by what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. First thing I want you to notice is that this. We cannot justify ourselves. Where's the boasting? What does he mean here? I'm good! I'm really good, God! I'm doing what's right! How many of you can do that? I can't do that. He already told us last week that, uh, that every mouth may be shut. There's no boasting before God. God, I came from a good Christian home. I, I, I'm doing really good. I go, I go to Curlensville Christian Church of all places, Lord. I'm doing really, really good. You can't justify yourself. Lord, I even left a little extra tip. And she was lousy too, Lord. Isn't that what we do? We try to justify ourselves, but he's telling us, you can't justify yourself by works? Of course not. By the law? Of course not. Only by faith. Only by faith. You can't justify yourself. So then verse 28 through 30, notice what he says there. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So what's he saying here? It is available only through faith. It is available only through faith to all. It's only available through faith. Listen, you want to know how you can gain acceptance with God? I'm going to to tell it to you. It's very simple. You want to know what you got to do to gain acceptance with God? Very simple. I want everybody to listen, because everybody wants to be accepted by God, right? Here's here's his word. Ready? Write it down. Nothing. Nothing. What? I said it. There's nothing you can do to gain His acceptance. His acceptance of you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what Jesus did for you. He accepts you because of Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Isn't that a freeing thought? Because so many of us could sit there and say, well, well, God can't accept me because of what I did last week, or two years ago, or three years ago, or twenty years ago, or God can't accept me because of this, and God can't accept... Listen, your acceptance with God has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with Jesus alone. See, it's available through faith. I just have to trust in Him. I just have to commit my life to Him. I just have to submit to Him in my life. His acceptance has nothing to do with me. Aren't you glad? Boy, aren't you glad? Because if it was up to me, I'd come up with a whole new criterion of acceptance with God. Number one. Must drink sweet tea, no lemon. Number two, must have a cheeseburger with cheese only on it, nothing else. Well done. Big, thick. You see what I'm saying? We, we, we come up with all these different... You, you're, you say, boy, you're joking, George. Yes, but I'm being serious, though. I'm being serious because... Why? Because here's the reality. Because we in ourselves have created this list of stuff that we must attain to in order to gain acceptance. Well, I got to be in church every week. I got to open my Bible every day, and pray. I got to pray. I pray. I got to pray, 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 pray. I got. I, I only can should listen to certain things, and and I, you know, and I gotta, I got make sure I talk to the preacher and say that was a good sermon. And if I do those things, I'm okay. But then yet you don't feel you're okay. I must not have given too much in the plate today, or I must not. I was not at the bowling activity. Oh, okay, God, I wasn't there. And, and, and we communicate that to each other, don't we? And so we don't think we're accepted by God. But our acceptance has nothing to do with that. It has to do only with the fact that Jesus died for us. And it's available to each and every one of us through what? Faith. Faith. Then finally he makes this point, verse 31. He then says this, so then what? Do we make the law void? Do we, so if I... If so I don't have to do all this stuff then, George, so that he accepts me. So that means that I just kind of do away with all that stuff then? Can we just kind of close the door and shut their place up? Because there's really no reason for us to come here anymore because I'm accepted with God. Is that that's what you're telling me, George? No, that's not what he's saying here. Look at verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. What's the point he's saying here? Faith establishes the law. Faith establishes the law. See, then because I know I'm accepted, because my acceptance has nothing to do with me, but because He loves me and accepts me because of that, then I know that faith, what? Faith establishes the law. Now I'm able to come and worship. See, it changes your whole perspective of worship. If you're coming in here to worship because you're thinking, okay, then maybe that's the way God's going to accept me. No. Not to, that's not how you're going to gain acceptance with God. But if you're coming here and worshiping, if you're coming here and worshiping because of what He's done for you, then that changes your whole perspective. It changes the way you sing. If you're giving because you think, oh, that'll help me out there. You know, Lord, I've got this thing coming up this week. And you know, trust me, I'm doing this. Then it changes the way you give too because now you'll give freely because He's accepted you anyhow. Do you see what I'm saying? Faith establishes the law. Changes the whole perspective of things. And you know what? He's the one who did it for you. He's the one who did it for you. So you say, okay, okay. Now, George, okay, you give us a whole lot of information. Wrap it up for me. Number one, do you recognize your need? We've already talked about it. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. Do you recognize your need? So then that brings up the next point. You cannot justify yourself. You can't, there's nothing you can do that can make you stand before God and say, You must accept me because I did this. It isn't going to fly. And then finally, here's the point. You are only justified by faith in Jesus. You are only justified by faith in Jesus. That is the only way that you're justified, it's because He's the one who freely justifies you. My friends, Only you know, and God knows where you're truly at. You know where you're at. And if you're trusting in something other than Jesus Christ for your salvation,
0: you've got a problem. You need only turn to the one who justifies. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. This coming week.